pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Welcome to another episode of Maximum Film. Uh, it is episode 212, and I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. And as always, I'm in the booth with my friends. So let me introduce you to them. So, first up, we have the Christmas Eddie himself, Alonzo Duralde, sitting on a shelf. What's good? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, the best thing of this week, Ify, and I know you are far too shy, retiring, and modest to bring it up, uh, but that would be uh, Demi Adjuibe's annual September 21 video, uh, which dropped this week on YouTube, and you're in it, which was very exciting. <laughs> but it was uh, an insanely elaborate, um, much, much more ambitious and higher production values than even in years past, where he'd already been giving you children's choirs and uh, airplanes dragging banners this was just like chef's kiss from start to finish it made me very happy i watched it several times to look for details um and he's apparently raising a fuck ton of money for charity so well done friend of the show demi ajuibe yeah shout out uh yeah i was jukebox guy uh you were we jukebox about it, chonk <laughs> oh yeah you can't miss that was, him. that was a full body like <laughs> leg action thing oh yeah no it was it was great and like we talked about earlier i got the most thank yous and well wishes for the the september 21st video we do for charity than i have for anything i've done in my career so uh yeah shout out to demi for that i'm glad i had the opportunity uh and you know congrats on getting your emmy nominated medal uh which <laughs> is something i only discovered this year because like almost all my friends got emmy nods but you get a medal so either way you, you're leaving home with something sure. so so yeah i uh don't let me get one of those because you won't be able to tell me shit for at least two weeks uh you'll so, wear it everywhere oh 100 <laughs> percent. you know it the, the next day shirtless photo you'd wear it if it was a plaque but but if it's a yeah. metal, forget it. <laughs> oh, the next up that we'll talk about is the queen of the Midwest. She's the best. Drea Clark. What's good? You've really, you've really been uh, bit by the musical spirit. I Hell like yeah. it. Oh yeah. You know, he's the quiet storm. <laughs> so my what's good you guys know i'm not much of a drinker i have like zero tolerance so if i smell alcohol i'm kind of wasted and i don't like the taste of it but when i was recently with my friends they introduced me to something that sounds real disgusting at first it did to me anyway and then i was like oh this is amazing and it is peanut butter whiskey have you heard of this? Do you know this? Okay. I, I think I had some sort of peanut butter and jelly whiskey concoction at uh, at Yardbird once. Okay. Well, this is like you buy it already. It's, it's the flavor of the whiskey itself. It's not a right. mix. It's not a cocktail. It's the kind of whiskey. And again, like that sounds so unappealing, but it's so delicious. Like the <laughs> peanut butter takes that like, <gasps> which is the face and noise I make after I do a shot of whiskey. It really smooths that out to just a, huh, you no, know? I, look, I tried maple because of uh, Letterkenny, and it turned out I really like it. So I, I, I get it. I, get yeah, it. I feel pretty sure that the dudes on Letterkenny would definitely approve of peanut butter whiskey. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, now it is time <clears throat> for my final number of uh, introducing. <laughs> oh, I'm, this is exciting. I stayed for the encore. To sing this song, I had to adjust my fitness. The author of drag combing through the big wigs of show business. Frank D. Caro. What's I, good? That was wonderful. Thank you so I have not been serenaded on the interweb ever. So thank you so much. I'm thrilled and delighted. Uh, to, to, what an intro. Thank you. I'm Andy's so happy on the stage. To, to be here. <laughs> so you you asked me for, for something good or what's good to me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a new book. My, I did the drag book, but now I'm working on the history of disco and intentionally we're going to call it Disco at 50, which is basically as with every book project, it's, it's an excuse to shop. So I went <laughs> on eBay and I bought an unopened Saturday night feedler, <gasps> the Boston Pops do a it's an eight track tape. Of, I was gonna say Ooh. you yes. need to explain because the shape of the device that he's holding up that has music on it allegedly <laughs> is very unique. And I was like, I'm gonna need that explained to me. Okay. The eight track tape. track. You used to we used to play when I was in high school, the car that my dad bought that he would lend us had uh it was his coupe de ville and he it was he would lend it to us and it's great because it'll play for like six minutes and then it'll start to just tune out and then it clicks over and then it starts to get loud again. It's the worst format ever, (laughs) but it was very fun at the time. So I also bought it on CD, which is another antique, uh, you know, medium as well, (laughs) but at least I can put it on my, my, uh, you know ipod so i do i can now work out to arthur fiedler and the boston pops doing disco and so i'm very excited it is a it was 13 dollars for 31 minutes of music oh, and i'm thrilled and delighted worth so, it every yes. penny and the a track is mint in package it's not it even is. it's in plastic i'm thrilled. Oh. so yes it's i've turned researching a book into an ebay shopping ex- extravaganza so uh it's typical me of how I, to approach I, I, this. I like the way you think Yes. Thank you. If he wad away the host with the most, don't ask the most what. What's good? Oh, Alonzo. Yeah, I love. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, I'm back. What's good with me is, uh, you know, I'm going to just give an overall shout out to uh, just, just. Sprouts. Sprouts has been coming through on my keto journey. They have really been keeping oh, the there re- well. The restaurant, not like the, the Sprouts. The, 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 it's it's the no no Sprouts. The whole grocery store. It's the like grocery the, store. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Whole Foods. Uh, I just wanted uh, to make sure like, that you were not shouting out individual oh, just sprouts like ooh, yeah, yeah. sprouts yum. the the, the food items, beans, uh, yeah. alfalfa oh yeah now the, the okay. store itself i've been making new discoveries and my newest one is this keto uh nitro cold brew this is something that is great even for uh you know super producer casey uh who is uh who he he dabbles in the in the coffee scene uh you know he's you know he, he knows how to do a thing or two uh but yeah, this is it's it's great. It, it's flavorful and it and it, it's like a coffee nerd's uh, coffee because like they'll give you the origin and the roast. So I've been real happy with that. Uh, just uh, in between, I have too many beans, but I'm always down to try something new. Too many beans. Too so, many so beans. full of beans. Some might yeah. say. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, it yeah. was right there. And yet I didn't pick it up. Thankfully, uh, Alonzo did. Yeah. I mean, speaking of too many beans, we're talking about a British movie today because uh, today we're discussing every... They have beans for breakfast. Yes, yeah, super, I got it. Super, I got it. No, okay, I, super I, producer I Casey was like, I don't doing. know where you're going with this. I'm like, they have beans for breakfast. Yes. And then I remember beans one time on I, toast. Yes. I made a whole thing and then all and of my lucky, like Mexican it. friends were like, we do too. And I'm like, all right, but it's not the same type of beans because their beans is in tomato sauce. So I will slander those specific beans. I'm not talking about a solid you know like like refried beans for a cheesy eggy goodness that is different when you put in tomato beans it's too early for tomatoes unless it's pico de gallo um but that's that's the hill that i am temporarily uh dying on before resurrecting myself and discussing everyone's everybody's talking about jamie uh something that which is fun to me is sometimes we'll do these movies and um i'll just go to the wrong like platform because there's so many. So I started looking for it in Netflix and they, they, <laughs> they, they were like, you sure you don't want to see the prom? And I was like, Oh, uh, <laughs> quite, quite sure. That's, so that's their, that's their version. Huh? Okay. Uh, <laughs> and of course we're going to return to the hall of excellence, uh, a, a hall. I'm always excited to walk down and as always staff picks, but first it's time for our new segment. It a dick. Short for, is this important? Do I care? Each of us will read a new segment and answer the question, is this important? Do I care? And we're going to kick things off. Speaking of you being over the pond, we're talking about Daniel Craig and his thoughts on the future of James Bond. Daniel Craig's final James Bond movie, No Time to Die, comes out in a few weeks, so he's been getting asked a lot about the future of the franchise. There have been some rumblings about the next 007 film casting a woman in the role of James Bond. But in a recent interview with Radio Times, Craig says he believes the character should stay male. The answer to that is very simple. There should be simply, there should simply be better parts for women and actors of color. Why should a woman play James Bond when there should be a part just as good as James Bond, but for a woman? That was Franchise. Iffy's official audition. Yeah, yeah. Why can't yeah, yeah. a woman yeah. be more yeah, yeah. like a man? <laughs> Why can't a woman be more like a man? Men are so decent, such regular chaps. <laughs> Franchise producer Barbara Broccoli stated a similar thought in The Guardian a few weeks ago. He's a male character. He was written as a male. I think he'll probably stay as a male, and that's fine. We don't have to turn male characters into women. Let's just create more female characters and make the story fit those female characters. Is this important? Do you care? In a slightly iffy early pop-off, I'm going to say the reason that James Bond, if you're going to say that James Bond has to stay male, is because the franchise is so fucking misogynistic. If you go back to those <laughs> early ones, so you should be dying to make him a woman because there is no leg for this to stand on. I know Bond heads are going to be mad at me, but you got to, the books are male dad porn. And, <laughs> and like, and like to me, like there is no, nothing to, to, to honor, no history to like sanctify because it's built on misogyny. Like that's the story is a guy goes to a country, fucks somebody and then kills somebody. The end. So what are we even talking so why, about? So why do you need to paint women in that brush? We don't have to live such terrible <laughs> well, lives. Also, I was going to say, but that is the good point yeah. that we come come back to where everyone's like, yeah, I think th this is actually a good take. Like we're looking at it as bad take, but it's good take because, yeah, why not make good 
woman roles. And then somebody, someone, somebody on somebody on Twitter said that we've had a lot of really good, interesting, kind of fun female spy characters and action characters in recent years, but that none of them are based on existing IP. And so sort of that's the thing that Bond brings to the table is this history mm-hmm. and the books and all that stuff. And that there just aren't female characters that are that the equivalent to that in terms of existing in the culture and making movies out of them. So I, I get why there's this mm-hmm. notion of like, let's do something with this character, but you're right. It's the same reason why it's hard to make James Bond, not a white guy because the character is also steeped in old school British colonialism. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I don't know how that works either necessarily. The, the payoff or the non payoff as it were for this is, I think that they have they have a point. I would much rather a new franchise get started th- that like that's what um Angelina Jolie wanted to do with oh, salt. salt and should have salt was great. But there's you know like we had the, Charlize has had several films that could have gone in that direction. My thing with this is Mar- like Barbara Broccoli is a producer with billions of dollar of box office behind her and this article even mentions she's pitched female-led things and studios weren't biting so it's all it's that whole cycle that we get into of like certainly i do think the better thing would be rather than like put the burden of oh women and people of color you fix this tarnished (laughs) franchise instead of putting that on their backs like give make new interesting things but the making of new interesting things is the whole chicken and egg like when audiences come out so much more heavily for existing ip we're guaranteed a new bond movie every few years but trying to launch one is a whole other thing yeah yeah I'm dying to see this movie. I mean, I, and I don't like to, I'm like, I could watch it at home. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so the reason people don't go to the movies is because of me. I'm like, I could stay home and go, it's on my TV. I'm never leaving this house again. (laughs) And I'm good with that. But I was like, if I don't see that new James Bond movie with the love boat typeface, I'm going to go out of my mind. (laughs) You know, it's, it's exciting. But I, I have to say, I would much rather than create something new um, f- for a female character. Well, and, you know, how about making an Emma Peel movie that doesn't stink, you know, or, mm. or, or make a Honey West movie or, or come up with a brand new character. But every James Bond movie that has had a really strong female character, whether it was the love story in Honor Majesty's Secret Service way back when, or... Uh, Whatever the Adele one was, uh, the uh, <laughs> Skyfall. Skyfall. Skyfall, that one, yeah, Skyfall. That, that was, uh, the, but you know, I mean, she was so good in that. Not Adele, uh, um, Judy Dench was so good <laughs> in that. You know, Judy, Adele was good too, but uh, singing. But Judy Dench was just, you know, I mean, it was so much about her as well. So that was they make for better Bond films if he actually has to do more than just. Uh, you know, string money penny along and, and, uh, you know, bed every you, woman who he doesn't kill, you know. But so. you could do a very exciting, like, piggybacking on that. What if you did a revisionist history where money penny is the center and you actually, like, have all this stuff revealed about her and in fun ways you can have it nod back to the exchanges she had with James Bond over the year over the years and then he never realized that while that was happening money penny was also like there's a million ways to make this happen it's just 
they got to fund it and make it happen. So well, they do it for look at I mean, look in the DC cam and what they'll do with uh, with Alfred. You know, I mean, you've gotten to the but now the help is more interesting than the lead <laughs> character. You know, I mean, it's sort of like if you can do that for him. But yes, Money Penny could totally have her own backstory. Ooh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of women in the industry, a book about the life of producer Howard Kazanjian was recently published called Howard Kazanjian, A Producer's Life. Kazanjian produced The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And there are some interesting quotes from Star Wars editor and George Lucas's ex-wife, Marsha Lucas, included in the book. She is apparently uh, not a fan of the new Star Wars movies, and she points her frustration at Star Wars producer Kathleen Kennedy and director J.J. Abrams. Uh, quote, they're spitting out movies every year, and they think it's important to appeal to a woman's audience, so now their main character is this female who's supposed to have Jedi powers, but we don't know how she got Jedi powers or who she is. It sucks. The storylines are terrible, just terrible, awful. You can quote me, J.J. Ab- Abrams, Kathy Kennedy, talk to me unquote is this important do you care i genuinely resent when things like this come out in the news because i want to be pro female in most things that i do (laughs) i want to to give like the benefit of the doubt to women who started in this industry decades before anyone else who left a mark who've done some brilliant work in other elements of filmmaking she's in she's an editor but also, um, shut up. Go find a message board somewhere. What the fuck, Marshall Lucas? Like, you have like a billion dollars. You don't have anything better to do with your time than whinge about a franchise that has nothing to do with you anymore. Like, if, and also, if you cared so much about story or character development, th- get back in the game. Like, she didn't do anything past editing. Like, that was never her crux. And uh, it's super annoying to me. And it seems so it's in that sort of second wave of non-feminism of like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I just I want women to be like accepted on equal terms and all of these things. I'm not a feminist. Like, yeah. I get so much of that energy from her. And you guys, it yeah. makes my wig boil. Uh, yeah, th- that's that's kind of what I was going to say about it, where it's like it's it's one thing to like have this opinion, but like it's starting with the whole like. And they think it's important to appeal to women's audience. It's like you, 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 you look. You got your money. You got your Oscar. You don't have to be a pick me anymore. You can literally like flip it. You can li- like, like I don't. It just feels like I don't like. Like for me, like sometimes people will do something pandery to black people, but if it's a black person doing it, I'm not going to say nothing because I, you know, I fuck with the attempt. I'm like, I get what you're trying to do. And even though I don't agree with, like, I'm gonna let you do you because you're trying to do you, you're trying to make something for us. So like, it always feels weird because I feel like if this quote was said by like, if it was a male avatar I was looking on, I think I'd be back on Reddit again. Like, I, I feel like this is <laughs> yeah. this is the take that every, like, dude bro neckbeard has on Star Wars. So it kind of sucks to, like, see it coming from Marsha Lucas, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I, I, I think Dre is right. I think there is this weird generational thing where when things change in a way that is maybe either was unthinkable to you or frightens you somehow, there's a tendency, and I, I see it with, with, you know, elder gays certainly of like yes i wanted progress but not like that you know <laughs> and and yeah I mean, you're right. the better thing is to like well at least they're doing something in the right direction even if it's not exactly what you wanted them to do so maybe shut up 
That's always an option. Oh, I, I'm with you because I am one of those older gays that you're talking about. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look at stuff and it's just you start hearing your father's voice coming out of your head. You look at stuff like the Met Gala and you're like, what the hell are you supposed to be? You know, you used to be, you'd be like, oh, my goodness, Jerry, it's off the shoulder and you've got a hairy chest. Isn't that great? And now you're like, what the hell is that about? And, you know, so you 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 become that awful person. But I know enough to shut up. It's like, you know, you don't. <laughs> don't tweet about that you just go you do you and i'm old enough now i don't have to i don't have to understand it's fine but i my first thought when i read these quotes i was like how old is this woman marshall lucas oh she's 75 and you know what stinks when you're 75 everything you just everything stinks you know other than oh good i'm alive i think everything stinks i and i mean i'm this crabby and she's got 20 years on me practically it's like Oh my God. You know, it's like, I'll be that, I'll be worse than her. Everything will stink when I get there in my 70s. But I think it might. She does have all that money to comfort her, too. Just, I know. Roll up, get, get some silver dollars and roll in them. You know, um, <laughs> that a tub pole would make you feel better, I would think. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about everybody's talking about Jamie. Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely so. you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about Pumpernickel Bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch catch the wave! This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Look, it doesn't matter who you are uh, or what you have, life can be stressful. Sometimes you get you know, caught up and you, and, and you just get overwhelmed and you just need somebody to, you know, talk about it with you don't hold it in you talk about it (laughs) so uh talk to someone who is completely unbiased about your life someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything and you'll be surprised at how much it could help BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Maximum Film listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash maxfilm. Have your first session in under 48 hours at B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash maxfilm. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Frank DeCaro. Alonzo Duralde. And today we're talking about everybody's talking about Jamie. Treo, would you mind providing a brief synopsis? Yes, I can do that, Ify. So everybody's talking about Jamie is based on a 2011 documentary about 
called Dr- Jamie Drag Queen at 16. Um, it's a very real story as a Genesis. And um, this version of it is a musical. It was a West End musical first. And this is the filmed version by the same creative team. Uh, we are following young um, 16, on his, starting on his 16th birthday, young Jamie New in uh, Sheffield in the UK, which is near the north. Same place where the full Monty's set. So if you've seen that, you've got it. And Jamie, thankfully, has a beautiful relationship with his mother, um, who's raising him by herself. He came out at a young age and is out amongst his classmates, which include his uh, brilliant best friend and a, you know, a handsome bully, as you will. And... um Yeah, Jamie is basically discovering that although he's already come out as um, a young gay man, he wants to come out as a drag queen because it is the um, light that gives his heart purpose. And he ends up connecting with um, a an older drag queen who uh, runs a shop in town, who encourages him and brings him into the world and deals with um, a really ugly but unique relationship with his father and yeah so it has a lot of the beats we've seen as jamie is coming into his own um as a young man in this world trying to be accepted and look fabulous in five inch heels mm-hmm. that was a that was a solid drea uh so you know we have an actual drag expert in our midst so Woo-hoo! frank what did you think about the depiction of the drag world did anything like ring false to you no i i I thought the movie was really a pleasure to watch. I I enjoyed it so much. And it was just familiar enough. You know, it's not like, oh, what a groundbreaking movie this is. By (laughs) any means, it was it was it went exactly where you kind of hoped it would. But but then didn't fall into the holes you were glad it didn't fall into. Um, But I I loved seeing uh, Richard E. Grant, who our condolences to him, he just lost his wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, he I loved seeing him as the old drag queen who, uh, you know, is curmudgeonly at first and then, you know, a little tragic and then helps Jamie uh, get his look together and and, um, make it happen. And I, I liked it a lot. And I think it's the kind of movie that a teenager, someone who's Jamie's movie age uh would would love it but also for if you're an old fart and you're watching it it's very nostalgic to i mean i don't really remember when it was set but it, it could have been set in the 80s it could have been any time it just was that it was sort of enough um well the, they're they're it, very clear that what the richard grant character sort of his drag glory moment was the late 80s early 90s right. so you know you do the math from as to where we are now yeah i mean it's weird because on the one hand this is a movie that acknowledges the existence of blanca del rio but at the other hand doesn't no one seems to watch drag race right? <laughs> let alone drag race uk so you know the his, the notion of him being a drag queen feels like this this outlier out of nowhere thing whereas the culture now is caught up to a lot of this stuff i mean certainly more than it has in 2011 if maybe that's when this is supposed to i was gonna say the difference between 2011 and 20 that's 10 years it's the same thing whenever you say the 80s i'm like the 80s just happened didn't they (laughs) yeah yeah, no but it's the 90s but the difference (laughs) of like even drag race 10 years ago had a, a much different cultural impact certainly in the uk i'm sure it was 
much harder, even if it was even carried in those territories. Yeah, I'm going to say sexy things like carried in that territory. Well, no, but you know, there is, a drag, there is a Drag Race UK also. Like they have right, their own but version. That, that was only in the last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, my thing with this, I, I also found this, it's funny, the word that came to mind was one I used when we talked about CODA, which is... Um, it was, it's a very earnest movie in a way that I very much responded to. And I think, you know, the Brits do such a great job with these based on a real life, um, <laughs> but they have like a good hopeful message to them and they're overcoming. And they also, their, their twist on what you're looking at for your points of conflict or your negative. This, um, I'm really glad Frank brought that up because this movie gives us some things that Jamie is truly up against. But they are not the expected things. Like I said, you meet him and he's already out. It's not, you know, in so many, especially young stories, so many stories with queer protagonists, it's a coming out story. And it's so nice to be like, oh, this that actually made me feel more 2020, 2021 than anything else did, that this kid would have come out to his family and whatever and this fellow students at an earlier age. But that also we got, you know, his relationship with his dad the dad is in a different, like he's left them and he's whatever. And the mom has just set up the sort of subterfuge that the dad still cares and, oh, isn't like horrified by his son or whatever. And it's such a different twist on how you see abuse, if that makes sense, because yeah. this is still such a hurtful, abusive stance for this father to take. And that you're understanding that and the weight of that on Jamie it credits so many people go through things with their families that are not as bl black and white as, Oh, I was hit or I was put on the street. I'm not trying it's, to, it, it's the abuse of attrition. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to be glib about those things either, but I think that yeah. there's a lot of pain people carry for things that maybe they, they wouldn't even give themselves credit for counting is like real pain because it's maybe easy to sort of dismiss. And there's something about this of, of this kid who's going through this thing with his father. That's not the normal storyline you see that I found. Um, God, refreshing is not the word. Cause I did not feel great about his relationship with his father. <laughs> but again, you kept coming back to the one with the mom. And other than speaking of codependence, it was still very lovely. It, it was so funny too, because like, you know, before we got, to the dad stuff i was like watching and being like oh man because you know you had the birthday party scene and i was like oh man i i i really love the, the movies in which people are supported by their parents like i love this and it's great and then the dad comes and i was like oh there always has to be one piece of shit doesn't there <laughs> um but yeah uh but also what i really liked about this movie is like you know i feel this a lot of times for any movie that like has like a uh, a marginalized or oppressed main character. But I like that, you know, we get to see Jamie get his licks in. Like, it's not all, you know, I feel like it's very easy to lean on like, okay, this, I'm getting kicked uh, just through the whole thing. But like from the beginning, he's like, no, yeah, I'm gay. What, 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 what okay. You, you gonna say anything else? And it, <laughs> because it, and that, that was just kind of like, I was like, oh yeah, I do like seeing, you uh you know reading this fucking weird jock kid and then um uh but i'm curious to how y'all felt where it's like okay the you, you know he reads the jock kid he's he's doing this and then at the end he's kind of like all right uh let me let me help you get to prom and i was like yeah but this guy has been a piece of shit to you literally 
this whole movie like i get being feel good but also like i know i'm cool if this guy feels like shit for the rest of his life ever uh i I truthfully at that point oh sorry alonzo go ahead no no no. i mean i was gonna say i mean you're right on the one hand yeah like i think most of us would just be petty about it and be like yeah go fuck yourself (laughs) but i think there is the acknowledgement of this kid like that this is his last moment of glory and the once high school's over he's got nothing he's got no he's he's not going to matter to people in the way that he does now the bully. And so yeah yeah the yeah. bully and so like you know so jamie's sort of like well that makes you an outsider and you're my now you're my people you know yeah so <laughs> i i kind of went with it in 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 that yeah. way did you have i had such relief that the bully the homophobic bully was not secretly gay oh my god like, yes i was like there's a quick oh there's a quick god. moment where like jamie's <laughs> messing with him and and kisses him and I had to rewind it. I was like, wait, 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 because I, I, I hate that. I fully understand there's people with repressed homosexuals, like, and it comes out and stuff. Fine, fine. But like, we've seen that so many times in movies. Once you've been around bully, Glee, you just have to yeah, stop. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. the bully, <laughs> can he not? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's so tropey at this point. So much so that like, that's like literally everyone on Twitter's comeback for someone who's like homophobic and they're yes. like, oh, you're probably secretly gay. I was like, no, people are just evil pieces of shit. Yeah, um, and sometimes they, an yeah. asshole. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is. I, that was one of the potholes I was thrilled they didn't fall into. You know, and yeah. there were moments there where you're like, oh, this could have gone really cliche and, and it didn't. So I was very happy about that. And it's not, he's not a drag queen who shows up to make straight people's lives better. That's what the, the novel <laughs> yes. thing is yeah. for me. He's there. For he's sure. like, no, no, where's my piece of the splitter pie? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not here to make your life better. I'm here to get my own. And and I love that about it because we, we so often, when you see a drag character, they're really only there, you know, to be next door neighbors with Robert De Niro or to show up in a small town and, and you know. and Put on the strawberry sure, festival. Yeah, and, and make sure everyone is, looks good in drag. Um, instead of, Where's my piece of it? And, and so it's relief to have a kid coming into his own by making himself into a drag queen. Um, and, 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 you know, and as a 16 year old, sometimes he is a selfish pain in the ass and the movie doesn't soft pedal that. But at the same time, it doesn't like super punish him for it either. It's just like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a teenager. This is what teenagers do. Uh, the, what, the thing that I was really moved by, like I, I literally had to pause for a while uh the richard e grant character has a number of remembering his own younger days and he's the the song is sung by holly johnson of frankie goes to hollywood um and it's about being a drag queen in the late 80s and the early 90s and like fighting margaret thatcher and fighting the aids crisis seeing your friends you know get sick and die around you and all captured in a Freaking musical number, and I was very much moved by that. And I, and then I, that number then cuts to a scene of Jamie being like, "Well, I can't be a drag queen. I, I'm not a warrior. I never fought this stuff." And so it's so rare that queer movies acknowledge the generational divide, you know, the people who went through AIDS and the people who didn't have to, and the people who fought so that the people who came after them would have it easier. And the fact that the people who came after us do have it easier. And then the people who did the fighting or resent that because they have it easier than we did, even though that's what we fought for. Uh, you know, so, that, so I, I love that the movie addressed that. Cause I don't see it nearly often enough in queer stories. We don't get a lot of movies where if it's about young people, their older characters are mad who matter and vice versa. And I thought this one captured that really well. 
And, you know, somewhere out there, there's like a Stonewall era drag queen who thinks that like the AIDS era drag queens had it easier, you know. So yeah. it's like it's, a, it's an ever evolving, you know, sort of social structure. I agree. That section was so I want you to know I cried several times during this movie. And then when it gets to the closing credits and they're showing footage of Jamie and his mother, just like snot tears. I might have <laughs> also been premenstrual, but I still <laughs> probably would have cried that way regardless. But that sequence that. Alonzo's talking about is so beautifully done. I mean, just think of what he just described. Like, oh, you know, it's a song about all of the horrible sadness of all of these things. And you're watching this unfold and it's beautifully shot and beautifully whatever. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but um, the the person who plays the younger um, Loco Chanel, which is Richard E. Grant's drag persona, um, is played by John McRae. Who was our favorite character in Cruella, the the like clothing oh, shop owner? Oh, okay. And he and he actually originated the role of Jamie on uh, the West End. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Fun facts. By the way, can we give a shout out, please, to uh, young Master Max Harwood, who plays oh, Jamie, yeah. who is in his first movie. I mean. Has never fantastic. made a film before. And this kid is a goddamn star from the jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, you know, it's time for our you know, it's time for our final review of uh, of of everybody's talking about Jamie and the way we review things on the show is would you screen it, stream it, or skip it? Screen it being the best, skip it being the worst. So uh, why don't we uh, kick this off and uh, we'll say uh, I'll go. I wore a wig. I feel okay. like it's important that our listening audience aka the entirety of our audience <laughs> understands that i've been wearing an enormous wig this entire recording beauty is pain yeah yeah and i feel really <laughs> good about it and i'm also going to go first because of it you guys you can let the wig go first. you've earned I'm, that right i'm pretty sure that's tattooed on someone i would screen this i think it is so charming and lovely i finished it i texted three friends and was like have you seen this can we can we watch it together? My friend Art replied, oh yeah, Colin and I had it in our calendars. We set aside a whole night to watch it. And then we realized it was just the trailer being released. So <laughs> that was like a month ago. I really loved this. I love these kinds of movies. And I think this one is really well done. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Screen it. Uh, and and seriously, like I, I watched this within a week of seeing Dear Evan Hansen, which is like such bullshit. And this movie is so like, it gets everything, everything from the teen stuff to the being a musical part a million times better. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I thought this was lovely. I found it really charming and, you know, you know, is, is this a movie that I need in my life in terms of queer representation? I mean, not necessarily, but boy, I would have loved to have seen it when I was 16 and I'm glad that people who are 16 now have it and, 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 and that it's just part of the, the conversation. It's part of the landscape. It's a beautiful piece. You want me to go next? I thought it yes. was. Yes. I think you yes. should stream it twice. I think it was stream <laughs> it, stream it, do whatever you can. Buy the, ask, uh, you know, your, your. Buy the eight track. Buy the eight track. Thank you. Yeah, everything. But I, I, I really liked it. And I think um, it's one of those movies where you're particularly glad to be gay because you think to myself, if I was straight, I'd go, oh, that was really good. But if you're gay, you can go out of your mind. You know, it's like you could just go <laughs> nuts. And and I thought, um, you know, it felt good to still do that. Um, but I thought, oh, my God, if I were a teenager, I would buy that. I'd have bought that CD the moment it came out, or the vinyl the moment it came out and would have played it to death. 
you know, and would have learned every word to it. And, um, and I think kids, I hope kids do do that. I hope they download it or whatever, however people consume music these days and, and, uh, and they love it and feel good about themselves while they're watching after, you know, while and during and after. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, it feels like so corny to say because I feel like everyone says this all the time and sometimes I'm like, all right, relax. But like, yeah, representation does matter. And in like, you know, in high school, my best friend, he was gay. So like, well, you know, uh, the tent poles of things we would watch together uh, that made him feel good. Queer as folk. Uh, you know, the original L word, apparently this new one, people have thoughts on it. Uh, I, but like, you know, was, there wasn't, and beyond that, it was like, okay. And like seeing like the, him having to like reimagine and rewrite, you know, stories to kind of like fit, you know, you know, the way that he loves it's It's like nice to like know that, you know, if we were 16, we can be like, yo, let's check out this movie. And it's a movie we'd watch together that he could feel represented uh, before, you know, I force him to sit through another Fast and Furious movie uh, <laughs> with the disposable women. Uh, <laughs> so this is, of course, a huge screen it for me. But we're going to take a break. So we'll be right back after this short break. But stick around. We got some fun on the way. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, he's coming back. Or do you mean the fact that <laughs> Apple Podcasts has named Fanti one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, <laughs> Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things we're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fanti you. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. Storyblocks makes it possible for creators to keep up with the growing demands for modern video content so you can bring all your stories to life and stop sacrificing your vision due to time, budget, or resources. So, yeah, Storyblocks has an unlimited all-access plan that gives you unlimited downloads of more than one million assets in their library. You can try out multiple options quickly and find the perfect fit so you can create more and spend less. Restock is their commitment to increase representation in stock media by hiring creators from marginalized communities to create content that is more reflective of the diverse world we live in. Look, stay on budget while telling the best version of your story with the most affordable subscription plans and tools on the market that scale to meet your needs. So do you have full access to a helicopter? Do you have a permit to take your personal helicopter over a busy city square? Do you have 300 extras to fill that square with? You probably do not. If you do, call me because I have some things you can fund. And if you don't and you want that footage that shows an aerial shot, that shows you crowded streets, that gives you a dynamic city feel, that's what you can find at Storyblocks. It can build out the world of your project when you maybe aren't able to get all of that footage yourself. Explore their library and subscribe today at storyblocks.com slash maxfilm. That's S-T-O-R-Y-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash M-A-X-F-I-L-M. 
Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadiwe. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Frank DeCaro, Drea Clark. As we announced a few weeks ago, Maximum Film has established a beautiful hall of excellence. We have three people currently in the hall. Adam Driver, Dame Helen Mirren, and Betty Gabrielle for her performance in Get Out. And this week, we will add another. Inspired by the movie Everybody's Talking About Jamie, the category under which we are placing an entity in the hall this week is Most Important Wig in Cinematic History. Alonzo, Drea, Frank, and I will each submit a nominee and make our case before the Grand Master of <laughs> Grand Master, but I'm going to say Maester of the Hall of Excellence, producer Casey. He will then decide who gets admitted into the hall. So, Alonzo, please begin. Who or what is your nominee? Well, I, I, first of all, I think we have to say this like um, Billy Porter's Pray Tell. The category is. The category is. <laughs> Um, so this was tricky, you know, because first of all, I had to rule out things that were hats and not wigs, like the headdress that Elizabeth Taylor wears in Boom, um, anything, Ooh. anything that Carmen Miranda has ever had on top of her skull, uh, hats and not wigs don't really count. And then I had to sort of rule out wigs that were notable just for being terrible. Uh, the most recent example being, uh, the wig that Taryn Manning wears as Karen in the hit movie Karen that's out right now. Um, um, you can literally see the lace front. It's insane. Uh, but, you know, when I when I thought, look back at the rich cinematic history of, of fake hair in movies, uh, I, I, I determined that for me, the most important wig in the history of cinema is uh, the beehive that Amber Von Tussle wears at the end of John Waters' Hairspray, which has a time bomb in it. Uh, and that just to me seems like, you know, it, it's not just visually uh, stunning. It also is a plot point. So that's what I'm going to go with. Oof. I right. mean, that's a solid start right there. I, I'm almost there. There's something about how it's the bomb. But, you know, I'm not young enough to say the bomb. <laughs> and it's also not 2003. So... Frank, what did you? What have you brought? That was my wig. That I was very no! excited to, to choose that wig. Yes, I was. I thought, oh well, that'll be. That's got to be the best wig. <laughs> what okay? What about uh, the wig that? If I'm going to pick a different one, what about the wig that's all forehead that Betty Davis wears in, in, as the queen? What is what movie is that? <laughs> oh, uh, it, it's uh, the the lives of uh, the private lives of Elizabeth and Essex. Let's go with her hair, okay? Because it starts <laughs> behind her ears. And I find that very refreshing. If it can't have a bomb in it, at least it could have a forehead you could show a movie on. So I'm gonna, yeah, yeah I'm gonna pick that one. I think very just, Queen Elizabeth the first. Yeah, let's go with her because she's was kind of, and it could be the the Quentin Crisp version in Orlando. It could be anything. Somebody as Elizabeth the first is really what, what I would go for. That that would be unless I think of something else. I'll I'll keep trying to think. Um, I love that you guys start on the same. So funny enough, because we are just like sharing things. You just said Betty Davis and my heart stopped because my selection is the wig that Betty Davis wears in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh. But as the elder Baby Jane Hudson, because it is it is so iconic. Like if you think of that movie, you think of her crazy painted on 
on askew lips, but it's the the style of it because it's it's styled like a child's doll or like the child performer that she was as these ringlets on the bottom and the whatever but it's also graying and the implication is supposed to be i think that it's her real hair but also there's no way betty jane hudson was setting her hair and wearing <laughs> rollers you know what i mean so it's like so she bought a, a graying wig like i just loved every imagining every thing that would happen for that woman that character <laughs> to get that wig is as iconic as the wig itself to me. Um, it also, it's like starts this sort of like gray powdery. And then by the time you get to the bottom of the curls, it's like the slightest gradient. But the other thing, the other reason I'll say that it's iconic is you could put that wig on anybody and people who are remotely versed in film lore would be like, Oh yeah. Whatever Baby happened Jane. to Baby Jane. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> And I think to me, that is like, if you're looking for important, important headpieces, <laughs> that, that, that sort of a marker for me. Yeah. All right. Iffy. That leaves me, uh, it leaves me, uh, to, to say my submission. And I got to say, I, I, I had to pick something that was so powerful, that was so revolutionary that it shook the film world as a whole mm -hmm. it started conversations it is often leaned on as a, a discussion piece to about wigs in cinema you know it is probably the strongest entry and that has to be Mackay pfeiffer's wig in eight miles. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. You know, it's it's yep. it is it is a discussion on 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 black hair, a discussion <laughs> on emulating said black hair, and uh, and you know it's ups and it's downs. I want you right now to Google Shamar Moore in Diary of a Mad Black Woman. And understand that is where I take the journey of male black hair in wig form. Um, the Mackay Pfeiffer in Eight Mile. <laughs> if is, you took, if you, oh, yeah. you type in Shamar Moore D Diary of a Mad Black yeah. Woman hair. Diary of a Mad Black Woman hair is Shamar Moore. I'm totally derailing, but it is worth it because I want people to Google this. It is a cornrow wig, which admittedly <laughs> must be very difficult to design. I don't make wigs. I don't know, but it starts like an inch above his eyebrows, and it like curls at the back. Iffy, by the way, is going to need to be resuscitated. Oh my god. He's dying right now. Why? So I, I'm with you on Mackay Pfeiffer because it's also this very noticeable. And every single time Mackay Pfeiffer talks in Eight Mile, he moves one of the fake locks. Like he loves like <laughs> moving the locks around, which is like it's like when actors act with where their glasses. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, I'm going to take my glasses off at this moment, or I'm going to chew on the. And I feel like he's doing that with his wig. I had another thought. What if yes. instead of Elizabeth the First, what if we do? <laughs> Gary Oldman's Dracula <gasps> ass cheeks yes. on his head. <laughs> yes. But it looks like Ooh. you know, someone's sitting on his head. Um, the, and then there's Maud. <laughs> yeah, there's there's uh, also and also lots of forehead, which I'm always down with. Clearly, but, um, yeah. I do, I'm gonna change my answer from Betty Davis to Gary Oldman in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Because okay. 
He looks like a horrible Valentine because it's sort of heart shaped, but it also <laughs> looks like ass cheeks or like he got his head stuck in a, in a sexual <laughs> masturbatory device that one would put on a table and have their way with, it. you know, like it looked like he misused that, like a set of ass, rubber ass cheeks or something. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. I think he bought it in a catalog. So I'm going to, I'm changing my answer to Bram Stoker. That's a good one. That's a good one. Cheek-wing. Is is Casey going to winnow these down? Yes, I am the Grand Maester of the Hall, okay. and so I am here to guide us through this nomination process. Let me just run down the nominees yes. real quick yes. for everybody to hear. Just, I just want to say, just wonderful nominees, and I'm just so delighted at all the choices we have here. Just, I mean, any one of these would be would have a great place in the hall. You know, on a bust, we could put the wig on the the a bust in the hall. Um, so we've got. John Waters, uh, Amber Von Tussle's beehive bomb wig. We've got Gary Oldman's ass cheeks head <laughs> from Bram Stoker's Dracula. We have Betty Davis from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And then we have Mackay Pfeiffer, uh, a.k.a. Future, uh, his wig from 8 Mile. He's okay? no Mackay Pfeiffer. I always have mm. to do my uh, perfect uh, rendition of that single line. Mom's spaghetti. Yep. Uh so how we're going to do this now is everybody is going to have two votes and they're going to vote for two of the nominees from this list. Okay. And they can't be your oh, okay. nominee. Oh, okay. Sure. You have to pick two nominees that are not your nominee that you think could be in the hall. Does that make sense? Yep. By, yeah. by the way, I'm just now finding out that Amber Von Tussle was played by none other than uh, she would go on to become pop singer Vitamin C. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Did not know that. As we go <laughs> on, we I remember. Was what? Say that. I was going to Casey stole what I was going to say. I'm sorry, Ify. <laughs> Can you let the man host his own show, Casey? Okay, My God. Say that and then, and then Casey, Casey said that. And I was going to say that. So now I can't say that. <laughs> oh gosh um, I'm sorry if well, I thought it was um, Debbie Harry's hair who exploded wasn't it no maybe I, it's I, not I don't know I thought I thought it was in Amber's wig I could be misremembering I there is an explosive know. wig in hairspray it's yeah, been a it's, while yeah so it's it's a I believe Debbie Harry put the bomb that's my recollection as well well you will remember things that happen better than I do I just make stuff up so good <laughs> so good let's go with your version of it Okay, okay, does everybody in their head have two votes for yes. nominees? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go around and ask. And don't worry about hurting people's feelings. There it's are like no... being on the circle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Alonzo, who are your two votes? Whew, uh, these are tough, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Baby Jane mm-hmm. and Dracula. Okay. Drea. Mine are Bombhead. Bomb or butthead? Bomb head. Okay. And ass head. <laughs> Those are my two. Okay. Those very are good. the Latin science names. <laughs> Iffy. I'm gonna go with uh, Dracula. And uh, and uh, and and I guess I guess bomb head. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna go with uh, bomb head, and I'm looking at a photo, and it seems like Sonny Bono 
is putting it in Debbie Harry's wig. So I'm, oh, I'm going to go with that, okay. I think. But uh, I, I would pick that as my, I didn't pick that one. That's, I mean, that's my first choice. And baby Jane is my second choice. Okay. Oh. Very good. Okay. So we do have a tie here. We have bomb wig versus ass, <laughs> ass cheeks head. Um, just, uh, two stellar choices um i'm i'm i i'm gonna leave it to uh drea and iffy since you guys do not have your finalists nominees in the final two can you guys hash this out and come up with one that will enter the hall yes okay Iffy, Iffy, do you have any, like, what is your gut telling you? Like, are you, are you looking at pictures of these wigs right now? Are you like, like, oh, which just feels important. Because, because, you know, you got Drac and not only is Drac great for that, we got to remember that Drac also was in the Simpsons as Burns also had the big butt booty bulbous Dracula hair. Big butt booty bulbous Dracula hair is the, you know, scientific name. Sure. Okay. So your vote is for that one? Yes. For asshead? Asshead. You know what? I'm going to go with asshead as well. And let me tell you why. Because to me, I agree that the importance of the bomb hair is what's inside the hair. (laughs) But the importance of Dracula's hair, it's the hair itself. And so for me, yeah, I would also vote for that. I also agree with Frank. There is a really unique ratio of scalp to hair that we're getting with him <laughs> that lends itself to a to an importance, a significance. Um, and yeah, yeah. Also because I find it reminiscent of with the central part of Baby Jane. So in my head, I still get to carry on in that choice. <laughs> and it is a look that guys can aspire to because as they as yes. older, you can comb your shoulder your back and shoulder hair up over your, you know, <laughs> and you can get that look much easier. And certainly it's flattering on everyone. Everyone. I mean, yeah, that's the important is, part. Is always good on every fellow. Yeah. Wonderful. That means uh, Ass Cheek's head from Bram Stoker's Dracula is officially in the Maximum Film Hall of Excellence. It is so. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Yay! Nice. Go team! I'm just pausing for the music that Casey will add in. It should be some regal horn music to celebrate. It's the like getting occasion. into the Academy Francaise. Oh. All right, that's enough time for the music. Thank you so much, Casey, uh, for adding that in. But now it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. So, Drea, why don't you start? I will start. Thank you, sir. Um, My movie this week is a film called Birds of Paradise. It's coming out this Friday on Amazon Prime and also, I think, some theatrical, but I'm not sure. Um, It is an adaptation of a YA novel. The director, Sarah Dina Smith, you might know from um, she had a film called Buster's Malheart, which we've spoken about many year ago on Maximum Film. Um, and she directed the first couple episodes of the TV version of Hannah, which I think is closer in tone to Birds of Paradise. Like I said, it's a YA adaptation. It is set at a, a ballet boarding school. It's kind of teen black swan, but girl friendship and it's really beautiful and stylized and um, it does interesting things. Fantastic performances. The main girl, um, people, some people might recognize as one of the sort of characters from Booksmart that they interact with. The girl that um, 
Caitlin Deaver's character hooks up with. And anyway, Birds of Paradise, Amazon Prime, celebrate the female filmmaker, get your YA on, enjoy it. Get your YA on. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, I'll I'll go. Uh, we lost a screen legend this week, the great Melvin Van Peebles, uh, who was a major pioneer in uh, black post-World War II American cinema, uh, passed away this week. Uh, but as weird coincidence would have it, this coming Tuesday, the Criterion Collection is putting out the Melvin Van Peebles Essential Films Collection, uh, which has uh, four of his features done in new, uh, beautiful 4K remasters, including uh, his 60s film, uh, Story of a Three Day Pass, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, which basically began the whole 1970s black film wave, uh, Don't Play as Cheap, and Watermelon. Watermelon Man. Incidentally, Watermelon Man is the only movie right now that's streaming. So if you want to see this stuff, it's physical media time. Um, anyway, this Criterion box set is gorgeous. It's got short films. It's got extensive interviews uh, with him and with his son, Mario Van Peebles. It has the film Badass, which is Mario Van Peebles' film about the making of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Um, Anyway, he is a vital, vital force in American cinema. And uh, to pay homage to his incredible work, there's no better way than to pick up this box set, which really has all the goodies in it that you would want. Coming out on Tuesday, Melvin Van Peebles, Ascension, Essential Films from the Criterion Collection. Shall I go next? Please. Yes, please. I was on a, we went away for our 25th anniversary and I was on a plane and we were, we did what we always do. We sat apart. So <laughs> that's how you stay together for 25 years. So we were sitting, <laughs> we had a seat in between, no, it was good, we had a seat in between us, and when we landed, we were, we were like, well, what did you watch? And he said, I watched Paris is Burning, and I said, I watched Paris is Burning. Now, here's the reason I picked that as my, my choice. We watched Paris is Burning, a documentary <sighs> about trans people and drag queens in New York, people of color, on a Delta flight. Okay, you could stream <laughs> Paris is burning at 30,000 feet. And I never thought we would live to see a day where that was something that you could do on a plane. And so and when you watch it, you think, oh, my God, Pose couldn't exist without this. Oh, sure. half, the vo half the vocabulary drag queens use couldn't exist without this movie. And uh, and so I, I ended up getting I, I immediately got myself the, the Blu-ray of it so yes. that I can watch the extras. So that's next. So uh, it's time to watch it again. And it's short. It's only like an hour and 17 or an hour and 20. And um, and it will change your life because honestly, it, it's about a lot of things. But when it comes down to it, it's about being an American. And I think yeah. that, that, you know, and, and I, I think that everybody should watch it. Preferably at thirty thousand feet in a seat that's halfway <laughs> comfortable, and and uh, yeah, you never thought you'd see something that gay, that high, in that mainstream uh, uh, space, you know. And it's a brave so new I, world, I'm, Frank. I'm tickled. So Yay! that's my thing. Paris is burning. Yeah. Oh man. Um. I, I as a Delta Sky Miles member myself. And, and, and my rec, if it's funny that you said book smart because I wanted uh, to do book smart too, because I was thinking another, um, or you mentioned book smart. And I wanted my rec to be book smart because I feel like if, if you're doing a movie night of like nice uh, coming of age, uh, teen, you know, gay movies for teens, I think book smart is another one you can toss in there. Uh, but yeah, I need to, I'm going to get back into some watching some new stuff, but I'm only murders in the building has been blowing me. Martin <laughs> Short is a gem, uh, a, a master at his craft. He can make me 
just a, a one word answer to something that is said is is enough to just slay me in that show. So make sure you check that out as well. That's me saying that and teasing Drea because she is still waiting for it to all release. But don't worry. I'm watching it with my girlfriend, which is my own personal hell, because now I have to wait and watch it in pace. So I might as well <laughs> wait till it comes out because you know because you know she has to go to work and that's what you I'm get for being free. considerate yeah i know oh yeah. man and i i won't break the code because i am the biggest whiner <laughs> if someone like if if we're watching something together and you go oh well you know i watched a little i oh you won't hear you won't hear the end of it, it, it it's better to cheat on me than to watch a show <laughs> earlier because you you would hear less about it if you cheated on me than if you did that uh but with that being said thank you so much frank yeah. for being on the show is there anything you'd like to plug oh is there anything i want to plug yeah oh there's so many people i want to plug no, um, wait, I, th that's not the question. I would, uh, yes, it would. Here's the thing I'm going to give my plug over to my husband. He has a new book coming out, uh, that he wrote with Norman Lear that's coming out next month. Uh, it's about all in the family. Ooh. And so, uh, my, so if you've already got, if you already have my drag book, uh, then get his all in the family book because it's really quite wonderful. It's Norman Lear's book, but it's as told to. Jim Colucci, my husband. So okay. take a look for, for that. And that's my plan. Which means Jim did all the fucking writing. I exactly. Know. That. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that was so sweet. Yes. They, look I at know, you look guys. At that. 25 years strong mm. and still supporting <laughs> yeah, each what, other. That's what it all comes down to. You got to plug them on podcasts. So and that's a rock solid relationship there. A marriage. If you're not plugging them every Saturday night, you got to plug them <laughs> on a podcast. It's true. You, you got to give them something. Yeah. So. I have a throw pillow that has that embroidered yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film and our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum Films or send us an email at MaximumFilm at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien, who is a treat. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson, who is an amazing treat. This is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.